Welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Guy. This is the great Matt Guide here on the Kingdom Corner Podcast once again on a beautiful June afternoon. Summer has arrived in the Pacific Northwest. Yay, about 80 degrees. Sunshine outside. Today I wanted to return and talk more about prophets. Let's talk today about the office of a prophet and functioning in that office. The office of a prophet and functioning out of that office as a gift to the body of Christ. That's really what the office is. It's a gift to the body of Christ, and the person in that office is the gift, and he's representing Jesus. But we'll get into that more. And I was thinking, you know, there's so much we could say. We've been going on this vein here, this topic, apostles we start out with and prophets. And I said we'd be studying when we started out apostles and prophets the foundation of the kingdom of God, and we're continuing in that series, and we're we're just breaking down prophets and apostles. We talked, I think, one lesson about apostles, and then last time we were together last week, we spoke about the different word definitions out of the Hebrew and Greek that are really revealing. I really believe they reveal that of what a a prophet does. And some people would say, oh, well, that's mostly how they were in the Old Testament. No, I think what was good for then is good for now. And prophets still are going to exercise their gift, their calling, their office, according to the Word of God. You know, it's not some new spangled thing for the 21st century. Yes, it's a different culture, a different time. I understand that. But we're not getting way out of the framework of what we find in Scripture. I always am one who wants to stay in the Scriptures. I'm a teacher. That's my main calling, and I want to stay in the Scriptures. I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse, but unless I can back it up scripturally, I don't want to teach it, and I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to say, well, it might be this way or that, and if I do, that's what I'll say. We want to talk about what it is to operate out of the office of a prophet, then the intention of this apostle and prophet, which we've said was the foundation of the kingdom of God, is to put them together because I believe that's how they function. They function as a team. And hopefully after this session, we'll begin to get into that. So I want to start out. I have some other notes here, but I felt it was so important, just things that I've heard recently what I see in the body of Christ, to do a little teaching. And maybe we're going to have to come in and do even more detailed teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how to operate in them, how to use the tools that the apostles and prophets are wanting to train the body of Christ in how to use properly. I think that's very, very important. And maybe we'll have to come back in another series and talk about that. So I want to open up, I said I had some other notes, but then this came to me that we need to just at least touch on this for now. The first scripture I want us to turn to, because these, especially prophets and apostles, they direct in these kind of things. And we're going to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit for a little bit, and we're going to just touch on that. But like I said, in future sessions, I think, I believe it's important that we come and really break this down in more detail. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Verse 6, and since we have the gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. 
if prophecy according to the proportion of faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now there is a list of various gifts that are in the body of Christ, but these are more innate gifts that a man or woman is born with, okay? They're what I would call the gifts of service that Christ wants to anoint and give to further out to the body of Christ, of course, directed through the tutelage of teachers, of apostles, and of prophets of how to exercise them, how to best serve with those gifts. And these are more service gifts. They're people that have been born with the gift of service, you know, that lady that always shows up and sets the table and has everything together for the potluck before you even ask. She's just a natural at that. Some people have a natural gift. They can speak to people and they can exhort, which is to comfort and edify and to give courage and encouragement to people. He who shows mercy. Some saints, some men and women just have an extra anointing of mercy upon them to show people mercy you know, and love in that way. And of course, prophecy according to the proportion of faith. And we can all do that. Paul says he wishes that everybody would prophesy. And this talks about prophesy. We could do a whole lesson on this and we might. Let each prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. So some that have a lot of faith would possibly prophesy more. Others just learning in the faith, just growing in the faith, may not prophesy as much, but all can prophesy. Okay, so those are the service gifts. Now let's look at manifestational gifts for a second. Manifestational gifts. So we're going to go to the next scripture I have is 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. 7 through 11. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good, or of the Spirit of God for the common good. There's a manifestation. It's kind of like a lot of people believe, and I used to be really dogmatic about it, that the gift or baptism of the Holy Spirit was the prayer language of tongues that you manifested. The Spirit of God came down on you and gave you that unction. We're talking about having these gifts in the same manner, these gifts of the Spirit. They're not ones that you're born with, but they're ones that God by grace, by his empowering grace, manifests upon you for the use in the body of Christ to upbuild the body of Christ, to edify it, to help it. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of the miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kind of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So as there's a need in the body, different people, God's grace that empowers them to manifest the gift comes upon them for a need, like in a church service, to give a word, maybe to give a direction for that congregation, or to give, if they're doing that, specific words to people of encouragement, or even 
foretelling or forthtelling events in their lives to encourage them, to prepare them for something. That's what we're talking about. These are manifestational gifts. You're not born innately with them like you are. Maybe you have an, an innate ability to teach or an innate ability to be of like a servant to people like, you know, at a potluck or something like that, or the gift of mercy, like we talked about in that list in Romans that we just read. So now we're going to turn to a third list, and this is in Ephesians 4, and I think sometimes this is forgotten. We're talking about Christ when he was crucified and he rose again, so what happened? Wherefore it says, and we're talking about in Ephesians 4, and I'm starting about verse 8 or 9, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. That's key. He gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all in all. So he gave gifts to men. What are the gifts he gave? He gave some, verse 11, Ephesians 4:11, as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. We could go on in there, but this is another list of gifts, but we're talking about the office, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor, as being gifts that were given to the body of Christ. And actually, when we look into those gifts, each one of those individual offices It's Jesus speaking through the individual, pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, apostle. He's speaking through them individually. So we say they are yielding to Jesus in the gift. It's not purely Jesus. It's Jesus flowing through them to the body of Christ. And it's different than just a single gift. Prophet can prophesy. They do prophesy. That's part of their MO, so to speak. But a person in the body of Christ can also prophesy. Anybody can prophesy, but that does not make them a prophet, okay? A lot of people, we could go into this, can evangelize and maybe lead people to Christ, but they may not be in the office of evangelists. Same with teaching. Certain people can teach, but they may not be elevated to the office of teacher in the five, what we call, for years and years, have called the fivefold gifts. So I wanted to get that out of the way. And now I want to just go into some of my notes that I compiled. We're talking about operating today or functioning today from the office of a prophet. And these are just some more general points. And then hopefully next week we're going to merge this together with the apostle and we're going to show how they work together in tandem, how they need to rely on each other for this foundation that they're building. Prophets. We talked about them last week as being the mouthpieces of God, and of course they are. We talked today about operating from the office of a prophet. Not everybody who prophesies is a prophet. They are not called to a moment in time, but to a journey in time to manifest the image of God, or I would say Jesus, inside of them. That's what a prophet is called to. They're called to a journey in time, not just one moment. It's not just like a man or woman who God comes upon one, two, or three times, and they give a prophetic word. This is an office. This is something they're walking in daily, maybe for a season, maybe not all the time. Maybe it's dormant, 
depending on the calling in their life, but they're walking in a season and usually in a region that God has called them to. And they may, I'll just say this, a prophet, apostle, these people in these fivefold ministries, they may be called to one region, but when they go to another region, they may not necessarily have the anointing on them to walk or operate or function in that office at the time. But let's go on in some of my notes here, just to kind of fill out what we would call the job description of a prophet. They are men and women that are secure in their identity. They're confident and they're bold. Let's look at Isaiah 61, and we've all heard this one, 1 to 3, and I'm going to read it. Like I said, I'm a man that likes to support what I say with Scripture. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Of course, we've all heard this scripture, I believe, if you've been a Christian very long, Isaiah 61, 1-3, Jesus quoted this when he began to minister. This is really a messianic prophecy about him and his ministry, but I believe it fits very well with anyone who is a prophet called to the prophetic office. This is what they're doing, or anyone called to the ministry, any of the fivefold offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor. This is their part of their MO, part of what they're called to do. Let's look at Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Then I said, Jeremiah said this, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, because they were really persecuting him. Because if you understand about the background of the prophet Jeremiah, he was in a time when there had been several what I would call conquests of the nation, and people had been taken into Babylon captivity. There were a few people left. He was at the very end of Judah as a nation. They were going to be taken into full captivity, and he was a prophet in that very perilous and trying time to the nation of Judah. And he said, I will not make mention of him nor speak of him anymore, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. You see, that's a real earmark of operating in the office of a prophet. God gives them a message for the season, for the time they're in, for the region they're in. He was in Judah in that season of when the sad season, when his nation was going to be carried fully away into captivity, and he, he didn't want to in his flesh. None of us would want to. He was being persecuted. He didn't want to speak out, but that word was burning inside of him. A prophet has a word that's burning inside of him, and they're bold to give it out, and they're confident to give it out, even if it doesn't feel good to the flesh. First Kings 18, you can read that chapter, very good chapter there, where Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal. Who is God in this land? Just like David said, is there not a cause in Israel? Elijah was saying, you know, if Baal be God, okay, let's go have a challenge on the mountain. And we know how that all turned out. The fire of God came down, and God proved himself as being the God 
of Israel, really, their God. And Baal was all, they were all defeated. You, you read 1 Kings 18. Elijah was very bold, was he not? Isaiah 6, 8. And this is another thing about prophets. They're in communion with God. We talked about that last week. They would rather be in a place of just waiting on God in his presence. And I think we have more scriptures on that than actually giving the message. If you read Isaiah 6, verses 1 to 8, I believe he was in the third heaven. He was before the tabernacle of the Lord, and he was seeing angels and cherubim saying, holy, 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 and he was awestruck. I believe he was, some people say, oh, it's just a vision, but I believe maybe, can't say for sure, but I like to believe that he was there. God took him to a third heaven, and that's where he received his calling to be a prophet. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And what did Isaiah say? I'm sure he was shaking in his boots. He said, here am I, send me. That's the prophet. They, In their own flesh, in their own humility, they may not want to answer that call, and yet they're compelled to do so. Here am I, send me. Amos 3, 7. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. There's a beautiful word here when we're talking about secret. When you look into the Aramaic connotation of that word, it has to do with reclining on a cushion. He was in, prophets are in that place where they're reclining. They're reclining before and in the presence of God. And that's where they're receiving words. That's where they're receiving revelation. Ephesians 2.6 talks about, I believe it applies to all saints, that were seated in the heavenlies with him, how much more so a prophet, and were raised up together, it says, and made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2, 6. How much more so for the prophet and his the words that he's receiving. I have another one, Daniel 12. He was in a vision, and it was an end-time vision of his nation, Israel. Way in the end of time, when all the earth, everything is culminating in the battle of Armageddon, Israel almost being destroyed, and God comes back with Jesus Christ on the scene and saves them. And there were a lot of revelation was flowing thick and fully free to Daniel, and yet the angel said, it's not for this time. Seal it up in the book. Seal it in the book. So that's what he did. So that's just starting out with my notes there, and we'll go on. So the secret place it was a secret, it's like a cushion, place of intimacy with God, secret counsel. It's not something the average, I would say the average Christian is doing. We should all be in the presence of God, don't get me wrong. But they kind of, because of their drive inside of their heart and their calling and their gifting, they're kind of in a special place there. We talked about timing, with the book was sealed up. It was like when you read through there in the original language, that book was like put in a safety deposit box to be opened in the future. Remember how they do, how you've seen before, they've done those history capsules that are, you put a lot of things in them, and then years later, they're dug up so people can read history, you know, like 25, 30, 50 years. Let's go on. We talked about first mention last week, and we'll mention it again. When the first mention, of course, was Abraham, he was going out from God, from the land that he was called out from, and he didn't know really where he was going, but he kind of got off a little bit, and he went down into this other country, and there was this king by the name of Abimelech, 
And before they got there, Abraham had told his wife, Sarah, tell them that you're my sister so that nothing happens to us. That backfired on Abraham, of course. Abimelech wanted to take her as his wife. You can read in Genesis 20, verse 7. I'm not going to go into all of it and the verses preceding that or going after that about God came to Abimelech in a dream and said, that's my prophet. <laughs> that's my prophet. Restore the man's wife to him. See, I think Abimelech had already taken Sarah and was going to make her his wife. That's what he told him. Even though Abraham was disobedience, God came to Abimelech and said, hey, this is my man. This is my prophet. Let Sarah go. That's really his wife. How embarrassing. Yet God was looking out for for Abraham. We've also read in the Old Testament where Moses, an example, uh, was a god to Pharaoh, or like a divine one to Pharaoh, Exodus 7.1. So I believe Moses was a prophet. And we're moving on. The real job of a prophet is to be, of course, we talked about it last week, the title of the lesson, if you want to go back and listen to it, or the episode, the real job of a prophet is to be God's mouthpiece. Getting those words from the second and third heaven, bubbling forth, that was one of the Basic meanings in the Hebrew for prophet or navi or nava was to bubble forth because you're under the unction and power of the Holy Spirit. So let's go on. We could read some more scriptures here. When we're talking about prophets and prophecy and what they do, and we'll get into this more, we want to look at 1 Corinthians 14.29. 1 Corinthians 14.29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. So their word is to be judged. And any prophecy, I don't think that's emphasized enough today in the in the church because we're so enamored now that anybody can bring a prophetic word. We're so enamored with that. And that's okay. We've got to get free in it. Like Bill Johnson said, there might be a lot of messes to clean up, but that's how we're going to learn. But the other side of it, and it's not a bad thing, let those words be judged. If you're a prophet, if you're walking with God in the prophetic office, you're not afraid to have your words judged by other prophets, by other leaders in the church. In fact, you look forward to that. You want it to be judged. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, let two or three prophets speak, let the others judge. Whether that's a word from God for the time and the season and for the maybe the service people are in. God's word needs to be backed up with authority is another point I have. That's what we're looking at. We're talking about prophets and prophetic words. And I want to read and just talk for a minute about a couple things from John chapter 12. John 12, 47 to 49. Verse 47 of John chapter 12. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken and will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command. These are key words here. This is Jesus he was speaking. The Father that sent him, the Heavenly Father, told him what to say and what I should speak. These are important words. What to say. A prophet caught away to the second and third heaven under the prophetic unction to prophesy. And it should be anybody that prophesies. It's like God gives them those utterances that bubble forth freely just shoots out from you. And I've had that happen to me. I'm not a prophet, but I move in the prophetic where it shoots out. And it's those words that are connected to the third heaven. It's words that are connected to the third heaven that just flow out of you from the throne room of God. He's That's what he's talking about. Words to say 
And I believe that's what was happening to Jesus at times. But then also words to speak. There's words that are building inside of us, things that we've studied in the Word of God as ministers, as prophets, or as teachers, or whatever. And we've studied it, and it's marinated inside of us. And God began to give us revelation on those words. It's not necessarily a thus saith God from heaven, like the bubbling forth word I just talked about when we talked about what we should say. This is what we should speak. It's based on things that have been inside of us that have been building and we begin to express that. That's what a prophet also does. Let's look again about, we said that prophets are in the second and third heaven receiving from the Father. They're on that cushion reclining in intimacy before the Father. And let's read a couple of scriptures about that. Psalm 24, I thought was a good one. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? You know, and that's the prophet going up there. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. And we're talking about the prophet. That's what they do. They have clean hands and a pure heart. You know, in the Old Testament, when we talked about priests, if they weren't totally clean, totally no sin in their lives, they were struck dead in the Holy of Holies. Jesus is our propitiation for sin, for the minister of God but they still want to minister out of a clean and pure heart. Psalm 27, one thing, this is this is the prayer of, I believe, the prophet. should be the prayer of every Christian, but in particular, the prophet could relate to this. One thing have I desired of the Lord, not that I might give a prophetic word, not that I might preach to a lot of crowds and wow them. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek him, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's what a prophet wants to do, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire, Lord, what do you have to say today in his temple? For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And you know, like I said about Jeremiah, and it's going to be true of prophets today, sometimes we need to hide in that secret place because there's going to be some persecution that comes along with ministering in the office of a prophet or ministering as any kind of saint of God. But I'm talking about the prophet specifically today. Let's look at following that. Then let's look at the next point. Prophet's words, and we could see that again and again in the Old Testament. They put them to death. They persecuted them. They put Jeremiah in stocks. They burned him with oil, I believe. And the other, he's just one of many that were persecuted because he spoke the concise, clear, to the point, no holds barred word of God to the people. It says in Isaiah 30, Woe to the rebellious children. This is Isaiah prophesying, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me and who devised plans, but not of my spirit. That's what Israel was doing. That's what Judah was doing. They weren't seeking God. They were going in their own strength, the kings and the people of Judah and Israel at, that, at different times. They didn't seek the prophet's word. It got so bad, they were adding sin to sin. They went down to Egypt, and Egypt is, of course, a type of the world. They went to the world and have not asked my advice. They went to the world instead. Many in the church are doing that today. They're not seeking the men of God. They're not seeking the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher that are anointed of God to give them the word. They want to have their ears tickled, as Timothy said. They're going to the world. They're bringing the world into the church. I feel really anointed about this. We need men of God in the church. Jeremiah Johnson, he doesn't hold anything back. 
And he says, you must hear from God, a prophet, a minister of God, these fivefold ministers or other ministers, or anybody that's ministering in the body of Christ must be humble, must be full of humility. That may be the first requirement. But these people, Israel, Judah, their leaders were going to Egypt. They didn't ask God's advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame. And they trust in the shadow of Egypt. This will be your humiliation, God prophesies through Isaiah. For his princes were at Zone, and his ambassadors came to Haines, and they were all ashamed of a people who could not benefit them or be of help or benefit, but they were a shame and a reproach. Let's read on. The burden against the beasts of the south through a land of trouble and anguish. It goes on. I want to jump down here. And he's talking, he's kind of ending up here in this chapter about the nation of Judah and the nation of Israel. Go write it before them on a tablet, Isaiah, and note it on a scroll that it may be for time to come forever and ever. What's he say? This is sad. That this is a rebellious people, a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord. Is that us today? If there's true men and women of God in the church, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, apostles, are we going to hear what God has to say through them? Or are we going to just turn our ears away? They will not hear the law of the Lord. Who says to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy us. They're telling the prophets, they're telling the man of God, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to see it. I don't want you to prophesy. Shut your mouth. That's what they were saying to Isaiah. And so many other prophets, weren't they? Speak to us smooth things. Boy, isn't that happening in the church today? Prophesy deceits. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. We don't want the Holy One of Israel. There's four, says the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perversity and rely on them. Therefore, this iniquity shall be to you like a breach ready to fall. It's all going to fall on them. A bulge in a high wall whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant, and he shall break it like the breaking of a potter's vessel which is broken in pieces. He shall not spare, and there shall not be found among its fragments a shard to take fire from the hearth or to take water from the history. It's all going to fall in on them, okay? Speaks from the Father's heart, doesn't he? Let's go on. Prophets operate with God's authority behind them and in them, and they operate in his power. God puts that authority upon the office. It's not like a prophetic gift that just comes down upon a person in a moment that it's needed, but it's something that they're walking in daily. It carries the identity of Jesus. They speak from a father's heart. Maybe we can finish there today. They speak from the father's heart. John 6.63, it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words, Jesus said, that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. That is a very telltale way of telling if the words that you hear a lot of times from so-called prophets or prophecies are really real. Do they give spirit and do they bring life? Do they give spirit and life? And I've been in services, I've been around a lot of years, I've been in services where I've heard so-called prophetic words, and they just went over like a lead balloon, and they brought depression, they brought fear, and they brought, in the end, death. They weren't of God, and it was somebody that had an agenda, 
I've seen this happen, so-called prophets, and they might have been real prophets even, but once in a while, prophets aren't perfect, and they had some personal bias. I remember one man in particular, and he gave out a prophetic word, and I've seen this happen, not just this one time, but other times. They give a prophetic word over somebody to manipulate them to do something. I think in this particular case, they were manipulating a brother to help them in a tent ministry, to help this prophet in tent ministry. And sadly, the the man went and quit his job and sold a lot of his belongings and went out in that tent ministry, and it was a disaster. Isn't that sad? John 14.10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. And boy, that's really right to the point of a prophet's ministry. The words I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority. They speak on the Father's authority. I have so much more to share. I'm just going to have to come back and bring another about the office of a prophet operating out of the office of a prophet. That's what we've talked about today. If you're seeking that office, if you feel called to that office, I'd say the first prerequisite is humility. It's not how big a word you can give. Another prerequisite that ties right along in that is, with that is, how much time are you spending before the Father? For all the words you give and the prophecies you give, how much time in comparison are you spending before the Father? I think that you should spend two or three times as much time before the Father as in giving words or giving prophetic messages. I have more words. We're just going to go on in this study. We shouldn't be in a hurry. We're talking about apostles and prophets, the foundation of the church, the foundation of the kingdom, actually. And we're establishing now and really roughing it out, really getting the job description the last few times here for profit. And we need to go on with that. And then eventually we're going to segue over to how prophets and apostles work together. So God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to the Kingdom Corner podcast. Have a great week. Hey, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner. Make sure you click that subscribe button so you get notified every time we release a new episode. Welcome to the family.